things, and he will continue to keep doing marvelous things. And if I um, may take us back, just right back to elementary school, not only has the Lord done marvelous things in our own lives, but right back to basics and Christmas time, he took on human flesh, did he not? He was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect and sinless life. He healed people. He brought people back from the dead. He died himself. And not only did he die, but by his very own power, what did he do to death? He came back. And he continues his work, doesn't he? Well, what we will see this morning is he brings saving knowledge and saving truth. He brings salvation to people, and he gives us, church, his spirit to continue his work, does he not? The Lord does marvelous things and continues to do marvelous things, and that's precisely what the psalmist is saying here at the end of verse 1. Look at it. It says, his right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. You see, we not only have joy because he's done marvelous things in our life, but far more, why? Because he has worked salvation. Translation, God has a plan of salvation. He puts it together himself, and he puts it into action himself. Now, this is interesting. Why? Look at those first three verses. How many times does the word salvation show up in that first paragraph? One time in each verse. What does the psalmist have in view as far as the marvelous deeds of God here? The salvation that he brings. And so I ask, why can we have joy? Because the Lord has done something far better than material blessings. He brings salvation. That's what the psalmist, that's what's compelling um, probably David, to write these words because of the salvation of God. Verse 2, the Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He's not passive in this church. He is active in this. So what is this salvation? Verse 2, he's revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. Now, what, when did that take place? Well, Evie read for us a minute ago Mary's response to the news that she would bear the Christ child. This is fascinating because there are a couple similarities here between Psalm 98 and what Mary said in Luke 1. Just listen to these similarities. The psalmist writes in Psalm 98, sing to the Lord a new song. Mary, my soul magnifies the Lord, the psalmist, for he has done marvelous things. Mary, for he who is mighty has done great things. The psalmist, he has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. Mary, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. 
You see, Mary, the mother of Jesus here, gives us a big clue when this is about to take place. And so I ask you, what does the psalmist have in mind? If I may borrow um, something from Wednesday night Bible study. (laughs) I'm with the students on Wednesday nights, but apparently the Bible's about Jesus, and so this cardboard sign comes up quite a bit on Wednesday night adult Bible study. What does the psalmist have in mind? He has the Christ child, doesn't he? That's why the, uh, the devotional that we've been reading through this month has been so helpful for me as we un, um, open up the pages of Scripture and see how do the pages of Scripture point us to the Christ child? Well, that's exactly what's happening here, isn't it? That God is making his salvation known by sending the Lord Jesus Christ, the Christ child. Merry Christmas. Because we all sin and we need salvation, don't we? Just think about this morning. How many, particularly because of the rain in the middle of December, a cold rain, were a little extra lazy or lethargic? (laughs) Or had a bad attitude? We sin all the time. And by the grace of God, he has worked salvation for us, hasn't he? Through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the beauty of Christmas. It's plan A from the beginning. It was not plan B, and it still is not plan B. Jesus and Christmas was always plan A to work salvation in the sight of the nations through Jesus Christ. And that's why today in Advent, that's why the theme, if you will, is joy. What did the angels who heralded the news of Jesus to the shepherds, what did they say? Luke 2, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great that will be for all the people. It's about joy because the Christ child has come for all peoples and that through Jesus, God has made known his salvation. Now, um, a quick aside Did you happen to notice as we were reading this psalm how many times the earth or the world or the peoples showed up? Verse 2, verse 3, verse 4, and twice in verse 9. What's the point? The global glory of God will indeed go all across the world. Why? Because is God just a little pocket God for this little corner or this little geographic region or just for these people? No, he is a global God and his salvation will penetrate the entire world because his glory is far too extravagant to localize in just one place. And that's why the psalmist has in view the global glory of God. It will be for all people's that's why here in a few weeks, I've heard Farshid's story, but I've only heard like the 20-minute version of it. I'm thrilled to hear the hour-long version of Farshid's story on how he came to faith through a newspaper article, and that was his only Bible for three or four years. That's why I'm thrilled that you all here are engaging in salvation to the nations. 
the ends of the earth have seen. And so friends, we can have joy because Jesus Christ has worked salvation for the people who love him. And that's precisely what Isaac Watt has in mind when he wrote this song. Wouldn't you say? Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. So, um, by way of a quick application, maybe you have sung that song a million times, but you never really considered that last line. Let every heart prepare him room. Have you accepted the salvation that God has made known through the person of Jesus? Have you prepared room in your heart for God himself who has died in our place and bore the burden or took our sin, took the punishment of our sin so that we can have a right relationship? If you haven't prepared room in your heart, may I invite you this morning to do that, to talk to someone before you leave and say, what on earth does that line mean to prepare room in my heart for Jesus? I've been singing it for decades, but I've never done that. May I invite you to do that this morning. The second stanza brings us to consider a joyful song. Because when we, when we have joy, we just, how many here, when you're just happy, you just start humming? How many of you wish your spouse, when they get happy, would stop humming? <laughs> but look down at your Bibles here in verse 4, 5, and 6. How many of these six lines have something to do with music? It's the word sound or trumpet or melody. It's 100%, isn't it? So what's the emphasis of the second portion here? Music. In response to the salvation that God provides to us, we should musically explode. We should return to God a joyful song. And for some of us, that's really, really easy. Like if you just got married a month ago, or in the case of sweet little Sutton, who was just born this week, it's easy to explode in joyful song, isn't it? Um, but for others, that's not really the reality. As much as we're told that Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year, sometimes that can just make us realize how unwonderful it is, can it? Because we have the radio turned on, and be cheerful. Well, it's kind of hard at Christmas sometimes, isn't it? What's it look like in the difficult times when a loved one nearly passes or with the diagnosis to continue to have a joyful song? That's the painful truth for many of us here today, isn't it? How, Lord, do I continue through a joyful song. Well, if um, I may share a, a personal story. Here's, here it is. The way you do it is you have a joyful song anyway, no matter how difficult it may be. 
10 years ago. It takes place, but it really starts far before that. When I, um, when I was in elementary school, I had some known endocrine issues. Now, fast forward to the time I was starting my sophomore year of college. And um, it's apparently when you're 19 years old, that's the time when you're supposed to leave the pediat- pediatrician, the pediatric doc. And so I, I changed doctors. And I'm about to start my sophomore year at Grove City College. You know, that year when you finally figure out what college is. And when you're, I was going up early because I was going to be a resident assistant. And I finally felt like it was going to be the breakout year in college swimming. And I was ready to begin to invest my life wherever the Lord would have me. And so on the, the joys of this year, you know, of course, uh, I had some routine tests because of changing my doctor. Nothing out of the ordinary. And um, I go off to school. Now, one of my good friends on the swim team needed a chiropractic adjustment before our three-hour practices. And so we drive home one day shortly before the season starts so he could be treated by my dad. And... Um, as we got home, we pulled up in that driveway, and we parked the car, and we walked up the, the back steps to the patio where, where my mom greeted us, and my buddy Noah apparently knew that something was up because he kind of scampered into the house. So mom pulled me aside. Now, she, she told me that she had some news for me. Okay, fine, and whatever. And the joys of life, little did I know what kind of news she had. So she pulls me outside, and we're sitting there on that September evening with the sun baking on us, and um, she started to share with me, and she said, the doctor called, and um, we got the results. I'm waiting for it. Benjamin, you have cancer. Cancer? the next few moments, I began to ask, what does this mean? Rather transactionally, if you will, what do I need to do? What's the prognosis? When can we get things scheduled? But then, she started to tell me how everyone else took the news. You see, they had the phone call a few days before I got home, and they made the right decision to tell me in person. She told me how each of my brothers responded. She told me how my sister-in-law-to-be began to tear up. She told me how Rich Woods, Rich knew I had cancer before I knew I had cancer, (laughs) how he had prayed. That's, that's when it began to hit me. This wasn't just going to impact me. I hugged mom, and I went up inside. I hooked my family. Dad comes home from work, and we go upstairs, and, and we share some time together in, in their bedroom, and he says, you haven't had time alone yet. Why don't you take a few minutes and just be alone. I said, okay. He said, take your time. We'll be downstairs. No rush. Although I was getting hungry. <laughs> so I have just a few moments. And I go into, into the bathroom. I, my parents' bathroom to clean all up. And I, and I do. 
And as I go downstairs to, to greet everyone and just to be with everyone, I just take a few steps out of the bathroom to go downstairs, and without really knowing it, I end like this, on the bed. You been like that before? Kind of just crying out to God and just questions, uncertainty, not really knowing what. And as I'm there like this, sobbing like a little baby, a song came to mind. And that song continued in my brain, and it got louder and louder as if it were almost intervening or almost preaching the gospel to me, intervening against my pity, intervening against the, the dismal reality that I just learned about that was facing me. And that song just repeated and repeated. In fact, it wasn't just then. A few weeks later, I had surgery to remove my cancerous thyroid. And um, apparently the doctor said my thyroid was not that of a 19-year-old, but an 80-year-old. And um, you know what song kept playing? It just kept playing. That same refrain kept playing and playing in my brain. And as I couldn't speak for a few weeks, you know what song was playing in my brain? And as I tried not to miss a semester of college, and as I was working hard and still like finding a way to sleep, dozen, 16 hours a night, and working hard with a limited time, a song kept playing in my mind. And as I tried to swim my very first lap in swimming, you know, we swim like hundreds of those every single day, and I got in the water to swim one, and I couldn't make it across. And as I'm there, literally on my back, like wheezing for oxygen, a song plays in my mind. And do you know what song it is, church? Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. More specifically, the newer rendition by Chris Tomlin, this was the, the primary refrain. Joy, unspeakable joy, an overflowing well, no tongue can tell. Joy, unspeakable joy, rises in my soul, it never lets me go. That was the joyful noise. That was the joyful response. You know, growing up, mom would sometimes ask us the question. It's, um, I don't know, but maybe it's based on the hymn. Do you sing because you're happy? Well, that's the case for most of us, is it not? Or are you happy because you sing? That's profound, isn't it? It's kind of what the psalmist here in Psalm 98 has in view, isn't it? Even when I'm not happy, I sing. Because no matter my circumstances in life, if you are in Jesus Christ, your eternity is fixed. You have a joy in the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter what's facing you, anxiety or depression or loved ones or sickness or disease or broken family relationships, if you are in Christ, your joy is fixed. And that is why we can have a joyful song to the Lord, is it not? So this week, as you face the most wonderful time of the year in eight days, actually sing. 
whether it's a joyful week, as it'll be for many of our little ones, or whether it's the most difficult week of your life, sing. Be in the car when you're alone. Men, I'm giving you the okay to sing in the shower despite your wife's wishes. (laughs) Just sing to the Lord. I know we have a biblical example of this. Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16 is there in prison, fastened in the dank, moist, dark prison with their feet in the stocks. At midnight, they sing. And the, the text says, the Bible says, they sang joyfully. And it's that very same Paul who also wrote these words in Romans chapter 8. Paul, who, by the way, will endure far more than you or I will ever endure this side of the sun, I'm willing to venture. Romans 8, 18, listen to these words. For I consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. And that's why Paul could sing in 10 verses later. Church, you know this, 828. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those of you here who love God and are called according to his purpose, the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed to you, for we know that all things do work together for good. And so I ask you to sing through the joyful seasons and to sing your way through the difficult parts of life. Mothers, when you're wondering if anything you're doing or saying in the mundane even matters, sing. For those of you with dreary work where you just can't stand to make it to the next day of work, sing. Sing your way through the hospital's stay. Sing your way through all of life. Sing your way through the cancer. And friends, as you do that, my prayer for you is the same prayer that my mom would tell us every day as we'd go out the door for school. And it's a prayer I realized on that day that I learned I was diagnosed with cancer. It's a prayer out of Nehemiah. The joy of the Lord will be your strength. So as you sing this week, Friendship Community Church, as you sing your way through all of life, may the joy of the Lord really be your strength. If you don't have that kind of joy, which we have because of Jesus Christ and because he came as a baby, may I invite you yet again to prepare room in your heart. And to bring all of that to conclusion, by God's grace, I have zero reason to ever think that cancer will one day be in my body. That was 10 years ago, um, almost to the month, by God's grace. And that leads us to the last stanza. Our coming joy. Let's read 7, 8, and 9 in Psalm 98 one more time as we look towards a coming joy. Let the sea roar and all that fills it the world and all those who dwell in it. 
Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Now, there's a slight difference between the second stanza and that third stanza. Did you catch it? It's really in the object. Who is commanded in the second stanza to sing? Or rather, what part of creation? People. What joins in the third stanza? Everything else. Even the inanimate creation joins. Isn't that fascinating? What's, how's, um, I'm forgetting the lyric, joy to the world. Let, uh, what is it? Hills, songs, repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy. Everything else, <laughs> everything else joins. He's like, stick to your notes, Benjo. Okay, I will. <laughs> the inanimate creation joins. The sea roars. Everything in the sea roars. Uh, you learn in grade school, what is it? Um, two-thirds or three-quarters of the earth is covered with water? What's the rest of it covered with? Land. So everything in the water and that covers, that's in the water, and all of the world or the earth or the land and all that dwells in it, translation, what surface area of the world is not supposed to worship Jesus? Not only do we see all peoples, but we see that the whole world, literally, the inanimate, joins in the song. That's so fascinating. Here it is. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plain, repeat the sounding joy. You see how he could have been inspired by Psalm 98 to write that song? All of creation joins. The rivers clap. The oceans crash. Or Jesus, what did he say one time? That even the rocks will cry out. This creek, it was raining. Is it like Russian real? I, I haven't been out there since the rain. Is it Russian? Real, real quickly, as you leave today, here's, here's a side note application. And you walk over that creek and you hear it running, start singing this song. As you go to the beach, sorry to make you think about it in December, and you hear the crashing of the waves, may you start singing joy to the world or as you hear the rushing of the, wit, uh, of, of the river, or the wind in the trees, may you start singing this song. Why does the creation join in the song? Or another way to help answer that, why, or what are the fields, floods, rocks, hills, and plains really yearning for? You ever thought, think about that? What's, what are the mountains looking to what are they seeking? What are the trees leaning towards? What are they hoping for? Well, we read it in Romans 8, or we alluded to Romans 8, one of the richest chapters in the whole Bible. So just listen to these words, church. Romans, starting in Romans 8, 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, 
but because of him who subjected it, catch this, in hope that the creation itself would be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now, and not the creation only, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption and as sons, the redemption of our bodies. See, those last words, they give us a timestamp, don't they? What are we, Christian, yearning for? The redemption of our bodies. The creation which was set to decay is yearning for what? A day where there will be no decay. For the creation itself groans for the day that it will be set free. When will that be, church? When Jesus returns. When, remember that curse in Genesis 3 when Adam and Eve sinned? When they, they rejected God, and when they rejected God, what was cursed? Maybe a better way to answer it is, what was not cursed? They were cursed because they rejected God. How many of you like, like uh, to grow things and you're always weeding? The ground was cursed with thorns and weeds. Work was cursed. The whole creation was cursed. And now the whole creation is looking forward to a day when there will no longer be a curse. And that's what Paul is writing about here in Romans 8. And can you see how this song, Joy to the World, has that in view? No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the, crowd, the ground. He comes to make his blessings known. He already came to make his salvation known, by the way. As far as the curse is found. See, not only is God a global God, as far as geography, not only is he a global God as far as getting worship from every nation, language, tribe, and tongue, but he's an all-powerful God who will destroy everywhere that the curse has infiltrated. And that's why he is worthy of our song. So, when will God's blessings flow as far as the curse is found? So, let me ask this. Joy to the world. Was it written as a Christmas song or not? It wasn't. It's certainly an Advent song. Advent just meaning coming. And we sing it at the first Advent or the first coming of Jesus. And it's good to sing it at Christmas time, isn't it? I'm, I'm always the guy who's like pushing in July. Be like, let's just sing Joy to the World in July. Please, <laughs> just stir the pot. But it's not primarily written as a Christmas song. What does what have in view? The second coming of Jesus. And that is pretty evident here in Psalm 98 as well, isn't it? There will be a day when he comes again. And that is our coming hope, church. 
just like Jesus came once, which we'll celebrate here in a week, as a little baby, he's coming again, and it's going to be a lot more difficult to miss him in that time, won't it? That's our coming hope. So let's just look at verse 9. One last time. Why does all of creation, do all people join in this joyful song? Verse 9, before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. You see, in our day, judging is often cast in a negative light, isn't it? But here in Psalm 98, we worship, why? Because he's coming to judge. Everything is worshiping God because he's coming to judge. That doesn't make sense nowadays, does it? It's kind of backwards from our modern thinking. Here's why it makes sense. You and I have never seen righteous ruling, have we? Think of the best leader you've ever seen in your life or the best judge. They weren't righteous, were they? And it will be glorious to live under the reign of Jesus Christ who brings righteous reign and equitable judgment to the earth. And that is why we ought to sing in response. And so as we look at our world this week, as it seems to be degenerating by the day, why can you still sing a joyful song? Because there is a judge who's coming who, can, who will reign with righteousness. No matter what you're dealing with in your personal life, or no matter what you're, you're hearing from the news, when you hear of evil thriving, why can you continue to sing? Why can you persevere? Because there is the king of all the world, and he is coming to judge righteously. That is why we can live with hope, church. There is a joy that you and I cannot comprehend. In fact, we're in these um, bodies, in these brains, we're incapable of comprehending. But it is a coming joy, is it not? His name, by the way, is Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad that for those of us who are in Jesus, have that eternal hope, have that come and joy? So I'll invite the music team to come forward because we're going to end in no other way than to sing this song. But listen to these words. He rules the world with truth and grace, and he makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. God has brought salvation to us, church. And because of that eternal salvation, we can respond in joyful song. And far more, we have a hope tethered to the reality that Jesus has come and that he will come. So would you... Stand with me now. As we sing this song as it was originally intended, 
reflecting on the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and looking forward to his next.